This is the Agile Business Athlete Show, a well-being podcast that shows you how to beat burnout and have more fun. In each episode, Leanne will be joined by special guests who will share their secrets of how they stay healthy and energized and the simple steps they take to prioritize good health. And if they can do it, so can you. And now over to your host, Leanne Spencer. So my next guests, uh, I've got a two for one today, are Francesco and Alona. Um, they are building a community of meditators in love with life. The company is called Bliss Out. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about their story, uh, which I believe it's going to be very interesting, actually. There's a bit of burnout in there and I think a lot of recovery. I'm looking at them now. They look very well and healthy sitting out in Cyprus running their business. So I'm hoping we'll get a lot of insights from your story. But firstly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Um, Elona, I'd like to start with you because I don't know quite as much about you, but I've had a look on your website and not so long ago, you were compliance advisor for investment banks. So that's very different from what you do now. Tell us the point at which you decided you wanted to make a change from that lifestyle. Um, I guess it runs through every person's brain in investment banking. How long shall I do this for? (laughs) (laughs) It's... (laughs) It's a high-pressure environment, which is incredibly exciting and stimulating, but it is so demanding uh, that everyone has to make their own choices. So for me, I was quite clear that I wanted a certain financial stability in my life, but that, that lifestyle of commuting to the city of London or later on Hong Kong or Singapore, doing the long hours, commuting back, having very little time for social life or anything else outside of work um, wouldn't last my whole life. So I knew that. But I guess the turning point was when I started approaching 40s, I could just feel that my energy reservoir was diminishing. So if In younger years, I could run on adrenaline and it wouldn't make any difference to my well-being. Then as time went on, after 15 years of commuting and high pressure at work, a lot of transactions. So I was on the investment banking floor. I was in the middle of what was going on um, with the bank. Um, I started to feel exhausted. So my sleep was disturbed. I had a lot of digestion issues. Nothing major that I needed to take medication, but I could just feel I didn't feel that vibrancy and wellness that I used to wake up with when I was younger. Mm. So, you know, when you're full of energy and you're like, whatever life brings, I'm, I'm ready to rock, you know, let's do it. Yeah. I, started, I started to feel it and I could see that living in the big city, even though I like my profession, I didn't want to do it longer to tip over. And I've seen people tip over in investment banking or other professions. Many professions are very demanding. So my, I had a plan. I've always had a plan. Um, and I felt like at the age of 40, I actually do remember it now. You reminded me. It, I was coming up to my birthday two years ago. And I was like, I don't want to sit in the office in front of my computer when I turn 40. I just had it so clear. I want my hair to be blown by the wind. And I want to see the sky and the trees. I just want to be in nature. And I did make it happen, basically. I walked out of the previous job and I thought, that's it. This is my last, um, this was my last bank. So there's lots I want to pick up on. But firstly, I just want to take you back, if you don't mind, to you looking at that screen thinking, I can't look at this for much longer. Did you feel burnt out? Would you describe it as that? 
Definitely. And how did that look for you? I mean, you, I, I don't want to drill down into the gastrointestinal issues you talked about. It's quite personal, but a lot of people will come and say, oh, I've got these real stomach pains or constipation or something. And I think that is part of the burnout experience. So we don't need to go any further on that. But just as a flag for the listeners, you know, that is sometimes how it manifests. Physical symptoms um, stemming from, you know, from a mental root cause all the other way around. But quite often burnout can manifest in sort of, digestive issues can't it but what else were you feeling at that time in general sense I think if if one knows oneself so I know myself I'm cheerful I'm playful um, I'm easy to enjoy life and when you come to a point where you wake up tired and dragging yourself to work and it wasn't like this always I have to say I didn't enjoy my profession so but there would be days that I know I've overworked mm. um, and maybe I could continue working. I mean, to be honest, maybe there are people who can manage that both. But what I did in my life, I changed my lifestyle completely. So I stopped all alcohol 15 years ago. I exercised regularly. I meditated every day. So I still meditate every single day. Or maybe I miss 10% of, the, of, of all the days over the last 15 years. Maybe 10% I missed. But I have done everything I could in terms of my lifestyle, but some of the issues were still there. And I was looking at my life and thinking, what is it? I mean, why am I not feeling 100%? And then for me personally, I realized it is the overall lifestyle. So I have to take a train. It's a one hour commute. I'm continuously exposed to noise pollution. I have to eat lunch, whatever is available nearby. I have to gallop it. I had to be so fast because the next transaction is in. So in 15 mm. minutes, I have that lunch very quickly. So no matter how disciplined I was, I think the lifestyle of a city worker in New York or in London, I think it's so much against wellness just because yeah. of, of what's going on around you at all times that for me personally, it was a, a matter of do I want to have a healthier next stage of my life or do I think career is more important? And basically, I don't think you, I couldn't come to a point of complete wellness, maintaining high stressful job. Mm -hmm. I think it was um, a choice. And were you together I, this time? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and the last question before we move across to, to you and Francesco, what, was it an easy decision to make? Once you'd made made the decision, did you then execute it quite quickly? So two Horrible questions. decision to make. My God, you invest 15 years of your life. And mind you, by 40, I think many people would agree that that's when you come to a very comfortable professional zone. I became a specialist. I knew my rules inside out. I became quite a trusted advisor. My job is interesting. I'm always with these investment bankers. They're always very interesting personalities. You're always in the middle of what's going on in the world. You just have access to this exciting part of life mm. and power and, you know, intelligence and analysis. So I like that analytical part of mine. And then all of a sudden I walk out and I'm now I'm in Cyprus. So we moved to Cyprus, but for two years we were traveling. I'm kind of a nobody. I don't have a plan. I can't use my skills. Why mm. did I study all of this for, you know, two universities, all these rules are in my brain. It's, um, it's a challenge because you feel like, oh my God, did I just waste 15 years of my life on a profession that I just walked out from? 
It's a difficult one because it's almost like you start to meet in a new personality. You, basically, I'm a different person now. I'm a mm-hmm. person who has a much yeah. slower pace of life. Um, I live in a different environment. So it's almost like a death of a, an old Ilona and resurrection of a new oh. Ilona. And that per- period yeah. in between is very... I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think of my previous life when I worked in the city and, and was drinking alcoholically and I, I haven't drunk for 10 years, coming up 10 years. Um, I feel of, I literally think of that as a separate life. It's connected to me, but it, it has no bearing on, you know, completely different values now. We'll come back to that as well. Francesco, tell us a little bit about your story. Pick it up wherever you'd like to. Well, I guess we can... Um start with the decision to change my life. Uh, we met when I was uh, working in London. I was in mm-hmm. a startup, so a very different environment compared to a um, investment banking, but the pressure was a lot <laughs> because uh, for different reasons, uh, we were a small team and we were always weeks away from um, cash flow issues. So it was a survival instinct. So we had to put the hours and the work just to survive. And that creates a lot of pressure. And for me, even though I really enjoyed my work, it was a fantastic industry, you know, nice environment, everything was perfect. It was the perfect job for me. And I did it with a lot of passion and we had incredible results and we did very well. I mean, the company grew and it's, it's, it's doing amazing even That's after story, I left. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a very beautiful success story. But for me personally, I came to a point where I messed up with my regular routine to maintain a healthy lifestyle. I could see that the work was taking over my personal life. And I felt like if I allow this to happen and carry on, um, I'm going to pay a high price in the long term. So it was a very difficult decision to leave a job that gives you satisfaction and you are seen after three years where you are just about to make it and, you know, you pass the point of survival and you know that there is a bright future coming up. And just at that point, which is the hardest part of any startup to survive and make it and prove that there is a market and things are going well and investors are coming in and everything is going well and you leave. It's, it's a stupid thing to do in, on, from one point of view, but personally, I think I, I read the uh, the right decision for me and uh, I'm very happy with with the life and what came afterward so yeah so that's uh, and and I think that I gave priority to my health and well-being versus uh, career yeah uh, and what did the burnout experience feel like for you? Did you have similar symptoms to Alona? Or, I know it can vary. And I think one of the things I want to draw out <clears throat> from the conversations with guests on this show is the different ways that burnout can manifest. Um, so I'd love to hear how it expressed itself for you. Yeah, I think for me, the first thing that I've noticed is that I started to lose sleep. I couldn't sleep very well because my mind was overstimulated. I just had so many thoughts about what was going on during the day, you know, just working long hours. I guess that that's the thing, you know, at 10 p.m., still in front of the computer, thinking of emails, and then you go to sleep and you can't switch off. And then you don't sleep very well in the night. And then you wake very early in the morning. And again, you know, you're thinking of those emails. And um, and that, you know, just, I guess you can carry on with that for a period of time, but in the long term, it's just deleterious for, for health and well-being. 
And uh, there are many things that I tried doing to find a balance, but eventually uh, I couldn't cope anymore. You know, I just felt like uh, even though I, I tried to, you know, um, you know, there are so many advices, don't look at the screen one hour before going to sleep, uh, you know, all the things that I shouldn't be doing. But when the work is so much and you are surviving and you have to do it, you compromise you do it, uh, but then, uh, you know, unless you manage to scale back and scale down, uh, you pay the price. And that's what happened to mm-hmm. me. I guess I, I, I wasn't uh, the perfect example of how you can balance that. I didn't manage very well, but, um, uh, you know, it's been a very big learning uh, curve and a learning experience for me. Mm. It's, um, yeah, I've quite often, I, I had stress described to me by once someone as being too strong for too long or burnout being caused by being too strong for too long because I think the pace of life now is so fast I just don't think we were designed to be able to Mm. withstand the tempo and the pace and the volume of stuff Um, and I think the only way that we can really ultimately beat burnout and have a well and happy life is to take a step back from that to remove yourself a little bit from that Um, how have you done that now then um, Ilona, maybe the question to you first, you know, what are some of the really best practices you have now to keep the sort of the onslaught of email or demands or expectations and pressures and all that kind of stuff from, from getting too close to you again? Um, in, in terms of now that I've left investment banking. Yes. Uh, I can't even describe to you the pleasure of waking up and taking the moment in bed. Mm. It may sound like, a lazy getting up, but after years of running for a train and feeling that adrenaline in your blood, to wake up and actually to feel yourself, to feel where you are, to feel who are you with, to slowly start the day. And of course we work, but taking away all the commute and living in the big cities has given us a lot of hours. So the, the beginning is completely different of the day. So I wake up, I'm able to take a um, cold, cold, icy bath because it's quite cold now outside. So we, we do cold exposure. Then we do a meditation in the morning. Then I promise to myself to do a coffee meditation. So again, when I drink coffee in the past, it was like whoop and off. No, yeah. <laughs> so You take that coffee in short and off you go. Now I actually sit down and drink it, look at, look outside and I take a moment. So I'm trying to actually practice meditation through my, through my morning. So that's really interesting because when I talk about meditation in my line of work, um, mainly promoting it as a, an amazing way to manage your nervous system and to move you know, into the parasympathetic, even if only for a few minutes. And sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, I've tried that and it, it doesn't work for me. And perhaps it doesn't for some people, though I, I quietly think it probably does for everyone. But you have to come to it in the right time of life as well. But I encourage them to find something that's meditative. So you've made the, the, the ritual of drinking caffeine a meditative process. And I think that's quite interesting for listeners because if you don't feel, for whatever reason, that you've got five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, to actually sit and meditate, finding something that's meditative and perhaps stacking it with, with something you're already doing, such as drinking a coffee, is a really good tip, actually. You know, maybe just drink that coffee more mindfully. And you um, drink less caffeine. Because what I've noticed that if you drink doing something else, 
I'm like, oh my God, the coffee's finished. I don't remember drinking it. I don't remember the taste of it. I can feel it in my bloodstream. I was like, that's ridiculous. That's expensive, by the way, as well, to drink yeah. three instead of one. <laughs> Joking. <Yeah. laughs> but I think you just said uh, something amazing. And there are even, if, if, if you talk about Eastern philosophies, the tea ceremonies that come from China and then spread into Japan were used as a form of meditation in Zen monasteries. Um, so absolutely, if somebody doesn't like sitting in an uncomfortable posture and kind of force yourself to meditate, doing something they love already, but truly quietly and taking the moment, mm-hmm. I think it's so enjoyable. It, it, it's one of my favorite things that I, I am able to do now that I was never able to do. <laughs> when I worked in, in the city, I would get up, I'd be drinking about a bottle and a half of wine every night, sometimes more. <clears throat> so I'd wake up. The very minute that I had to get up and then it's a massive dash. I and mean, I'm going back over 10 years now, but a massive dash to get on the 828 that gets me into the office for 9.01, you know. And I just can't imagine starting a day like that. I mean, it, it would. I, I get up now at 6.30, up at 7.30 and I'm in the woods by 8 o'clock with the dog. Um, you know, it's a much slower pace to life. Um, Francesca, what about you? What are some of the things that you really relish doing now in uh, air quotes, your new life? Yes, well, we're very lucky that uh, now we found a place in Cyprus where we wake up and we have sunrise almost every day. There is a lot of sun here, very few days with, of rain and cloudy uh, weather. So we wake up uh, at what about the ra- sunrise. And most days I look at the sun, literally I see it um, rising from behind the mountains. And most times at the same time, I'm in the pool with the water that is cold. So uh, having this uh, sympathetic activation, uh, but in a relaxed way, not forced by Mm. stress of emails, but I consciously put myself in a sort of uh, stress of the cold. But as I'm in nature, looking at the sun and getting this beautiful uh, uh, feeling of being in nature and silence. So that's the start of the day, which then determines everything else that happens during the day. And then we have, you know, our meditation, and, uh, and then, of course, my sleep has improved dramatically, you know, the quality of sleep. And I measured that with the ordering and, mm-hmm. and other things that now actually even stopped because, you know, I, I feel that I, I picked up myself into a, a, a beautiful uh, state of uh, baseline of health and well-being. Of course, there are ups and downs, days that I feel better and days I have less energy. That's normal rhythm of life. But the baseline is so much better now. So. We do things that most people in the wellness and uh, and health space would advise, which is you know regular meditation, regular exercise, sleep hygiene, intermittent fasting, uh, you know sun exposures, spend time in nature, and obviously we also eat at home a lot more. So we avoid eating uh, crappy food that mm-hmm. you pick up on the street. You have less control about what you eat on a regular basis. But on top of all of that, I think uh, through the with, with experience of time, uh, we have come to also understand in terms of meditation what are the techniques that works better for people who are stressed out and have a very hyperactive mind. So we have experimented with different techniques. We all know that meditation is beneficial. There is so much evidence now coming out of the labs that it's almost useless to even make the point, uh, but 
the reality of so many people who try meditation is that they don't feel anything. It doesn't work for them. You know, that's that we know it from, I don't know that if there are data out there, but we talk to people, many people say, oh, meditation, yes, I tried, but, you know, I gave up. It's, it's not for me. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I get bored. I get frustrated. Uh, I just sit, I watch the breath and within a few minutes, I'm lost. And I think I'm wasting time. You know, this is anecdote. It's, it's a, not scientific data, but from, from talking to people comes up a lot. So we have experimented and we know that there are obstacles to meditation because what we discussed before, the lifestyle nowadays is so fast paced and there are so many stimuli and the body is so uh, sedentary that is completely unnatural. So we moved away from our natural way of being so much yep. that if we then try to approach meditation with a, with a technique that has been devised thousands of years ago when life was different, it's likely not to be working. There are reasons for it. So we tend to include movement and releasing stress with specific techniques to then raise the energy level. And only at the end, we sit down in meditation. So we have a three-step formula, we call it, we design. what We use techniques to release stress first, moving the body, using the voice, and then we raise the energy because you want that kick of sympathetic activation and flood the brain and blood with a little bit of uh, uh, happy chemicals. And then you can relax. You need to create that sort of hormetic stress in order to then come back to a very beautiful relaxation state. Otherwise, to move from um, anxiety to relaxation directly is is a quantum leap that many people can can just do it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like meditation. I mean, that's really interesting. I love this, the science behind it as well. And it reminds me of something I heard recently, which is that if you've been in that stressed, very sympathetically driven state, sometimes the best thing you can do, even though you're already amped up, is to do something frenetic, like a hip burst of activity or some movement or just sort of like dogs shake. I met someone the other day. Um, outside the local cafe, whose dog was incredibly nervous. It had a sign on it, on its harness saying nervous. It was a a street dog. Um, And they've taught it when it gets into the park and looks up like that, oh my God, like a young child going to school for the first time. Like, I don't want to go. They teach the dog to shake it off. (laughs) Taylor Swift style, shakes it off. And I guess as humans, you know, then that's another way that we can get rid of anxiety. And, And as you say, Francesca, it prepares you to get into that meditative state. So I think that's another interesting one. If you're really amped up, I used to advise people in my personal training days, you don't need to do a big frenetic activity session. Actually, if you've come to me in the state, let's go for a walk and have a chat. And that may very well have been good advice. But then there's the other school of thought, which is let's do something short and sharp to kind of shake Mm. it off. So really interesting. Um, You remind me a little bit of, of my partner, Antonio and I, and as much as we're both in the same business and we do a lot of health and well-being and biohacky type stuff. Um, did you kind of both come to this conclusion at the same, that you move into the world of space at the same time? And, and do you have your own practices, Antonio and I do in the main, uh, or do you kind of do things together a lot? Just curious. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, sim- it's symbolic that we met in a meditation retreat 15 ah. years ago. So that was uh, symbolic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ah, I think it's funny because we, we're kind of in and out of the same meditation room. Sometimes we'll separate, sometimes we'll come together. I think we do have preferences. I think it's fair to say. And, and I think meditation practices differ. 
Um, so when we started meditating, we came from different perspective. I think Francesco can speak for himself, but I was, you know, I was quite dynamic and happy. I wasn't resolving anything. Like sometimes people come to meditation because they need to resolve something. I just thought, who am I? What is this? You know, is, is the brain dictating who I am or is there is consciousness? So, so I was trying to figure out, is there a consciousness? Am I consciousness? Where does it reside? Um, so I was meditating to really, I guess, come to the truth of human existence. It sounds very philosophical, but truly for me, I, I've, I've always had this quest. Um, and because I was young and energetic, I, I had no appeal to static meditations at all. So to be fair, for the last 15 years, I love practices that will involve dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really appreciate the Sufi traditions of, um, or people do sober dancing, for example, Morning Gloryville in London popped up. Yep. So I like a, a human expression where there is beautiful music and dance. I can be very meditative dancing. And of course, it has to be a, a, a non-drinking environment and that, that can be helpful. Sometimes I do that at home. So I like meditation practices that can involve shaking, dancing, um, and sometimes complete stillness. So if I don't have any disturbance in the body, I do love to sit in complete silence and just, you know, very traditional kind of a Buddhist approach uh, to watch my breath and just come back to myself. Um, so these are my favorite techniques and I vary depending on how I feel and where I am at. But I do know I'd like to mention that um, for me, meditation works if I do it twice a day. Otherwise, I think it works. Right. Like if I do a meditation and it's short, I think it works. But then if I do two meditations a day or three, let's say two, three hours, then I know it works. Mm. Because so I know... There is a level of detachment that I operate from. Uh, so I, I wanted to mention that because sometimes it's not even about the technique. It's about this, um, the amount of commitment and heart and love I put into that meditation practice. It can't be just a quick fix. I need, mm. I need to be able to really embrace that. And if I yeah. do that, whatever is the technique, usually it works. So if I really dedicate my time, I think every technique will work. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the ears, a lot about intention, isn't it? The, the, the name of the show is the Agile Business Athlete Show. And, and by this point, listeners will know what that methodology is. But I'd love to hear how this works in practice for you. If you do this, um, I think subconsciously most people who've come through a wellness journey are. And it's looking ahead to the big events. I talk about Serena Williams whenever I present this. So I say, you know, the question is, when are your Wimbledons? When are the big events coming up for you? It might be a retreat that you've got going on in the spring. I don't know if there is one or not, but as an example... Uh, birth of a child or some some big event, um, professionally or personally. So is there anything that you've got coming up where you are thinking, actually, we really need to double down on our, our well-being practices here because we want that to go really well? So the question is, is, is there anything, Francesco, that's coming up? And do you think in that sort of way? And then the, the fourth part of that methodology is, I think, the most important, which is about recovery. After a big event, a stressful event, whether that's good stress, 
just had an amazing retreat. We've had 15 people come over and or whether it's actually something's gone, something's gone wrong. We've had a negative life event. It's that recovery period afterwards that allows us to regroup, recover and get ready to go again. Can you, do you kind of consciously or otherwise follow that sort of process and the way you manage your energies? So Francesco, I'd love to hear from you first. So I think first of all that I guess this is exactly how nature has designed or we evolutionary have developed to be because this is, you know, you can't be at the sympathetic activation chronically and you also, you wouldn't be able to function if you are always in the parasympathetic and relaxation, you know, because you need to procure food or nowadays, you know, run a business or go to work and have a family commitment. So you need a balance between both. So I think this approach is something that we completely overlooked for some for some reason. And I'm so pleased that you're bringing it up and other people also are more and more talking about this because that's how we are meant to operate. So for me, taking this on board and looking at my life, I think the mistake uh, I made before was to just you know, be on, on the pedal, on the gas pedal all the time and forgetting about recovery. And also the other part of it is that I'm not going to, when, when at some point I was idealizing the idea of having a life where you just want to chill and you, you know, visualize yourself on the beach and just, you know, read a book. And, and that's also not what I want because that's just boring at some point after a while, mm. you know, you recover. Okay. And then what? You've got your energy back up and you want to use this energy. So for me, the way I see this happening in my life is that when there is a challenge coming up, um, I double down. Yes, I basically have a good baseline that is comprising all the things that we discussed before, which I do on a regular basis. But of course, when I know that there is no big challenge ahead, you know, you may allow yourself to cheat a little bit here and there. But when I know that there is a challenge, I'm much more unconsciously, I can feel like it's kicking in and I am more like um, a robot, if you like, and not in a bad way, but it's like, I, I don't, I don't cheat. Whereas after this uh, event has passed, I allow myself to then take time to recover. And also it's, it's, it's a question of uh, chemicals as well. You know, there, there are many people talking about dopamine and the way dopamine works is that it's this reward mechanism. But if you try to keep the dopamine constantly up, you are going to fail. It's not the way it works. You know, you need to have these ebbs and flows, a natural part of the rhythm of life. Brilliant. Thank you. What's the one thing, if you could only do one thing for recovery, what would it be for you? Um, what I'm doing just now, it's a new addition to the tools, is I'm working on my um, respiration. Mm-hmm. So, And it's not just the breath work that, you know, it's been around for, for a long time, especially in the yoga space. That probably those guys are laughing because of the breath work. It's actually pranayama. And, yeah. But it's beautiful that there is so much more research and so much more understanding of how this impact and it's related to emotion, the nervous system, different parts of the brain, hormones and chemicals reaction in the body. So it's, it's amazing the work that has been conducted later in the breath work space. But for me, what I realize is that it's not just that half an hour, one hour of breath work, it's trying to understand how I breathe throughout the days. If I'm breathing through the nose or through the mouth, am I snoring? Am I uh, sleeping with my mouth open during the night? Um, and I think I'm really working now of uh, mouth taping 
And uh, that is a massive addition that uh, we introduced, you know, lately, and it's really working very well. And uh, try to breathe through the nose even when I exercise, when I go running, that's been a bit difficult at the beginning to switch from breathing through the mouth. Uh, but now I can see that I can run much faster and much longer. And it's not just because I can run longer. It's because during the day, I feel more energy, more clarity, because I'm breathing through the nose uh, throughout the whole day. So that's a big one that I have introduced just uh, just recently in my life. And, uh, and I'm a big proponent of uh, what in the Buteyko uh, world is, is a Russian scientist who, who's, who introduced these ideas of functional breathing is, uh, is called functional breathing, where, where you breathe through the nose, which is um, a big, and that's how we should be breathing. The nose is made for breathing and the mouth is for talking or eating. Uh, that, that two mm. different functions. <laughs> I tried um, just doing a boxing warm-up years ago, only using nasal breathing. It's very difficult to do. I mean, I imagine it would be. You can't just sort of drop in and, hey, I've got this. But, okay, well, thank you for that. It's interesting. Alona, do you do you also consciously or otherwise follow that kind of, that same preparation and then perform and then build in recovery afterwards? Like cadence, yeah, so I for it. me personally, I think what, what I like doing, if I am really on adrenaline and I'm expecting something big, I like to add more sports because it makes me more calm. So I'll add more running, mm-hmm. more cardio. I, I don't know, for me, chemically, I feel that I express my adrenaline through that and I'm able to have a good night's sleep and not panic <laughs> because I am easily, um, I can get into this anticipation, whether positive or negative, where I can't sleep and I'm thinking too much. Of, so when I add more sports, I feel I am, I am already more regulated. Mm-hmm. And for me, the recovery... I'm more lazy type, I guess. I love, I love my infrared sauna. I love yeah, massages. Love I love something that gives my body um, a let go. So I go from high sports to nothing and slow and doing something that is relaxing on the muscle level. So I, mm-hmm. I find it quite helpful. I find when my body gets either, usually it's, it's the infrared sauna, the, we have a blanket where, which we can use every day. So if I lie in that blanket or lie in, in bath and create you know, a beautiful environment at home, uh, it makes me relax quite quickly. Mm. We've got an infrared sauna at home. I absolutely love sitting in that thing. <laughs> it's a one-man hey. infrared sauna, so it's a sort of a uh, just a wooden phone box in the in the back. It's not the back garden; it's just alongside. So it's very it doesn't. No one looks onto it, so we can sit and relax in there. But yeah, I, I do like that. I feel like this conversation is is sort of up leveling from basics into some quite sophisticated well-being tactics that people can tap into. Um, I want to just just uh, move to another topic, actually, but it's related to well-being. But often well-being conversations are around sleep, meditation, and then some of the other stuff we've talked about, like sauna and so on. Meaningful work, I think, is the, it underpins everything in well-being because you could be getting good sleep and doing infrared sauna and, you know, microdosing and all this other stuff. But if you're doing a job that you hate or dislike or isn't meaningful or is perhaps harming the environment rather than helping the environment. And I'm going to need to find a conversation with someone who was doing a job, burnt out, and then went back to that job and it all worked out for them. Because I think there aren't many people with that story. So if you know of anyone, let me know. Usually it's that absence of meaningful work and, and purpose and values 
that I think is a major contributor to burnout. And maybe that's even the root cause. And that stops people from sleeping well, which makes life so much more difficult, which raises tough conversations with their boss, which means they go out and drink. So what what are your thoughts on that? Um, Francesca, starting with you. Yeah, I think it's a really big one. And uh, it's probably at the core of the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I have to say, I love my job. I love my industry. I really had um, value alignment with, uh, you know, health and wellness. You know, that's what I was, was DNA testing for Mm. sport performance and, and nutrition. And then I worked in Singapore in a heart rate variability type of product, which is related to stress in the workplace. So it's absolutely what I really believe uh, we need more of in the in the workplace and in the world. But at the same time, I could see that I was putting so much hard work into someone else's company, if you like, or, um, you know, it wasn't my thing 100%. So I felt at some point I needed to step out. I realized that, you know, I, I have talent, I have energy. I'm quite clear about what I love doing. And I felt really the need, like this existential need to also do something more meaningful um, that, you know, for myself as well. Mm -hmm. So that is the reason why, uh, in addition to having a better lifestyle, but we also, you know, we could have just stepped away and and, and find other ways, you know, because we've been quite uh, clever, I would say, allow me to say that, you know, we, we never wanted to just step out of work without having any financial plan. So before taking that decision, we made sure that our finances were looking, you know, that we felt safe to do it. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we just didn't want to say, okay, you know, now we just, uh, again, go on the beach or go to Cyprus or go to some kind of island and, and enjoy the rest of the, the our life just like that. We wanted to contribute and do something meaningful to us. So that's why we created this uh, company this bliss out and I took time during the lockdown and pandemic to write a book and it's been such a amazing experience just for myself to put all my thoughts together put everything into the book and it's an experience ex- itself and and then on the back of that book we also started to brainstorm and really think what we want to offer and contribute to the world and that's how we came up with this uh, brand and uh, bliss out which is a very inspirational name something that we experience during uh, meditation is of course not a, a permanent eternal state some people may be there it's not us but you can certainly have transcendental moments where you feel bliss and i think if we can inspire people uh, to to achieve or or aim towards that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful contribution for us to the world. It is, yeah. And Lona, a slightly different question for you. I think that that's a great answer. Um, with with the business, um, even if you love the business, you know, you love what you do. What? Do you have any red flags that kind of go up if you think, oh, hang on a minute, you know, even though we're working for this business bliss out that we absolutely love, I can feel myself getting a little bit excited in the morning and the emails are coming in. Do, do you have any sort of mechanism for, for watching out for each other or watching out for yourself? So firstly, you know, the first question is, what are the red flags? And secondly, what do you do? What's the light? Oh, there's a flag going up that I'm going to go off and do this to, to sort that out. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that that you picked on it. It can be a wellness business, but it is a business, right? <laughs> so yeah. at some point, when we, we when we were working on on the product, we both said, "Oh my god, I never worked so hard in my profession." 
And mind you, both of us worked our socks off in our professions. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will admit that when we, um, some months ago, when we were recording all the courses, building it out, we at the same time were moving the country, doing all of the immigration business setup. It got into me. I, I felt so stressed and immediately I started having, um, for me, it comes in this way. I don't sleep very well. I wake up with negative thoughts and I start questioning everything I'm doing. Uh, did I do the right decision? Maybe I should have stayed in investment banking. Um, what is this? What is this bliss out? So I start questioning all the decisions I've made and I go into a state of confusion. Uh, and then Francesco, of course, will give me the feedback. Enough is enough because... <laughs> You are not helping. You're just being very negative. So I, I got a little bit negative. Um, and then what happens to me? So if my energy is depleted, I tend to uh, I tend to be confused and have less uh, positive outlook on the future. So I feel like it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And sometimes, of course, it can be reasonable. You know, you look at the numbers, but it's different. It's just more emotional. And what do you do? I mean, of course, um, I had to look at the stresses. So what is it that is stressing me out? And am I being reasonable? So that actually can even involve a conversation. So I have these fears. Let's work through them. And sometimes factual answers will calm me down. So I'm, I'm imagining this is a problem. Actually, it's not a problem because, look, there are other facts that are suggesting this is not a problem. So let's say I was worried about financial situation or, or we shouldn't have done this or maybe we should have saved money here. So my financial mind was going off. <laughs> so, so basically having a reasonable conversation around facts could calm me down. I had to increase my physical exercise. So when I get panicky, exercise works for me. So I, I run for longer. Mm. So I like running. And I like Pilates. So I definitely can't allow myself to skip. Um, and usually it will be a little bit more time in nature and preferably on my own. Where if I am completely alone and I'm in nature and I am surrounded by animals and birds and trees and everything feels like home you know it's planet earth i'm at home i'm safe i am i'm part of this existence and this existence is here there is a bit of sunshine it makes me much more normal again so I, 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 instead of running around my imaginations of all the problems that are going to hit me I start feeling a little bit more again myself on the ground. So it grounds me quite a lot. So I would walk every day for an hour at least and try to avoid actually human contact. Um, I know some people like to talk. So I'm a social person, but what I have noticed, if I go through turbulence, what helps me a lot is actually not talking to anybody. Not mm -hmm. that I don't have Same. friends that I can rely on. I just don't want any input at that moment. When I am not stable, I'm not centered. I feel like other people's opinions and suggestions, I feel like they add to the pot of confusion. And mm. if I just take that moment of just, okay, look, okay, I'll deal with everything, but okay, let me just concentrate. How, how do I calm myself down? <laughs> how do I feel normal again? It usually takes me a week, uh, 
but I, I would, yeah. So if, if I was in the city of London, it would be much harder. So I would say number one is nature, truly mm-hmm. just being somewhere where you're just surrounded 360 degrees by nature. I think that heals very fast. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I'm going through the perimenopause at the moment. So a bit of brain fog, um, difficulty sleeping. I mean, it's quite mild, I think. But tomorrow I've just cancelled my Kung Fu. Um, we were going to the cinema, neither of them particularly taxing events. Cancelled both of them. I'm going to go out with the dog into nature on my own and do just that and just have a nice, maybe not my usual pace, slightly slower walk. I may stop and do some noticing. Ordinarily, I go out for a walk with my headphones, but paying menopause head, I forgot them this morning. I was cursing myself because that's 45 minutes I could be listening to a podcast and now I've just got to walk. And I was in the woods. Uh, and actually, it's, oh, this isn't new to me. I know that the sounds of nature, but it, it, it just I was paying more attention to what I could hear as well as chasing a naughty street dog through the allotment. So it wasn't an entirely stress-free walk. But um, just noticing the sounds of nature is is really therapeutic for me. And being on my own amongst that, I, I really identify with that. Um, okay, um, one quick question, um, and then we'll finish up uh, on one, one last question. You know, how long did it take you both to recover? Because anyone listening, you know, we've gone through it obviously in 40 minutes. Um, but I think people listening sometimes think that, recovery comes quite quickly from burnout it doesn't but it is achievable but I mean how long would you say it took to kind of feel feel like your new selves again you want to go? um or is it still a work in progress I have to warn everybody the most strange thing that happened to me when I found myself in nature in complete silence with no disturbance is the inner turmoil. And it becomes more loud, unfortunately. So uh, I think it's work in progress. I think that I cannot cancel out 15 years of running on, on adrenaline in months or years. I think it will take some time, truly. I, I think mm. so. Um, but I have to say, in terms of my signs, my sleep, improved after a year. So being, and I have to say another stressor we had is starting a new business. I'm sure if I didn't do that, (laughs) it would have been a little bit faster, but I think it's one to two years for me personally to adjust to a slower lifestyle, to be comfortable in silence, to be comfortable with no distractions or entertainment um, and finding a finding kind of um, oh, harmony within. Mm. Um, I, I would say a couple of years. Yeah. And you, Francesco? Yeah, I would say that uh, as soon as you remove the biggest stressor you have, that might be the job or relationship, whatever that is, I think the effect is immediate from that point of view. Uh, but then if you want to... Um, find a healthy level of well-being, it can take, you know, in my case, I would say a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good news is, uh, it may sound like a long time, but, you know, it's not like I've been awfully, feeling awful for, for two years. You know, you do improve, you do feel better slowly, gradually, gradually, but I would say a couple of years to really feel like um, it's something that now triggers stress again. I don't go 
so bad, you know, that's why I say two years, because now I still have stress, but, you know, within a very short period of time, I'm back on. And that, and that's what, you know, as a healthy response. And it doesn't mean that uh, I'm uh, bulletproof. No, I don't think that's, <laughs> uh, that's how humans actually uh, should be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an army person, you know, it's okay to feel in sad at times or stress, you know, it's absolutely normal it's part of the human spectrum of emotions and and i embrace that but i don't go that low and it's not uh, desperation you know it's just like okay i know that i can get get back up but the good news is that what i know is that the threshold of health can be that bar can be moved higher and higher and higher so now i've another hopefully uh, 40, 50 years of my life, or maybe even more, considering that longevity is it's, it's a, a field that uh, is promising to come up with, with solutions that people can live up mm. to 150 years. I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, provided that nothing happened to me, I may live another 50 years. And I know for sure that if I keep growing and I keep working on myself and I keep implementing everything that I've done so far in the past couple of years, I can feel better, better and better. And that's mm. really what, you know, I look forward to the future, not being afraid of getting old because I, I know that I can have a beautiful uh, later stage of my life. Yeah, here, here. And I think people overestimate how, uh, how long it will take to, underestimate how long it will take to recover, but also underestimate the impact of small things done every day. Small things done consistently um, really do have a positive impact. So if anyone was listening and they felt the way we all used to feel at one point, do one small thing today. And you've given us tons of ideas on that. So I thank you for that. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the Great opportunity. To you. It's really a pleasure connecting with you. Want more? Take our Wellbeing at Work company scorecard and get a free personalised report full of actionable insights. Or if you're interested in finding out what your health IQ is, take our Health IQ scorecard. Links can be found in the show notes. And finally, if you've enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you.